0: Formula Access, I have got a treat for you, a treat that has been in the works since the beginning. Since the beginning of the podcast, since before we really kind of got started, Margay Racing was gracious enough to lend us their showroom. Alpha 7 Even Media, which is a motorsports media company, also donated their equipment and resources and editing to provide you guys with one of the sharpest episodes that we have to date. This is the story of a young man coming up the ranks of the road to Indy. This is his parents. So from the moment he was five and got a go-kart under the Christmas tree, 15 years later to today, planning for his 2023 season, you guys... This is a really, really special, authentic episode of what that journey looks like for normal people. This is not a multi-millionaire, billionaire family who just chucks resources at their child's dream. This is a family that has sacrificed everything to get here. This is very reminiscent to me of the Lewis Hamilton story and what Anthony had to do to get his son to achieve his goals. I've walked this walk for the last, call it, two years with them, and it's been a really, really incredible journey to watch, and I can't wait for the next chapter of their story. Guys, welcome. Enjoy
1: Todd, Amy, thank you. Thank you for spending some time and and telling the audience your story. I think, you know, I've known you guys for the past year and a half, two years, and uh, I just from from the time that we stopped for a thirty-minute cup of coffee that turned into three hours, <laughs> I've just been fascinated by your story. And I just every time I'm around somebody, I you know, I am regurgitating just the story in its general way, and I as soon as I decided that I wanted to do this, this podcast, I, you guys were like top of the list. Like you guys have to be here. So, you know, thank you. Thank you for coming. And thank you for just allowing you to put yourselves out there and, and tell your story. I appreciate that. We're, uh, we're
2: grateful. You might hear that word a whole lot today. I don't know what the over and under is I'm grateful, but, uh, I think I would take the over. Uh, we're just, we're super, Super
1: happy to be here and uh, thankful that uh, you find our story interesting. We, we do. <laughs> so <Yeah. laughs> it's, it's fascinating. It, anytime you're around a group of people and the conversation of the world of motorsports comes up, it, it's, a, it's something that people gravitate to. We were at a wedding last night and, you know, as soon as we started talking motorsports with my son, you know, immediately like a group of people came around. So I, I want this to be kind of a scaled version of that is like, what's your story tell... Tell the audience what it's like to be the parents of an up and coming driver that's, you know, been doing this the right way for a very long time. You're, again, your story is is wild. It's a long time. So so explain to the audience who you are. Like, you know, Todd, we can start with
2: you. Like sure. You know, I think the you know the best way to explain it is I've spent the last fifteen years of my life on an amazing journey with my family. You know, I've had the unique opportunity to, uh, to be at the track a lot over 15 years and to be with my wife at the track for 15 years and to be with our families at the track for 15 years. And the track could be everything from, you know, the local go-kart track to the Indianapolis Motor Speedway to Brands Hatch to Silverstone and everything in between and all of them have been meaningful to us. All of them have great memories. And uh, I think that's just the best way to describe the last 15 years of my life. It's one of the things that I'm most proud of. It's one of the things I talk about the most. Uh, The opportunity to really spend that kind of time with your family. Uh, Set aside all the fantastic things and the uniqueness of racing, just being with family. Uh, I think my mom explained it best. She said, you know, family picnics. We used to go to the park for family picnics. We said my family picnic now is at the
3: track. So. And it lasts for four or five days. <laughs> then, yeah. So,
2: you know, we got <laughs> to the point it. where yeah. grandma was, okay. was bringing <laughs> cookies and, uh, and just, you know, the family picnics were at the track. I, I don't, that's success to me. I, I don't know that I could ask for anything more. So that's a long-winded answer to your question, but that's
1: Todd Holbecker. It's It's perfect because the the bond of father son is not only something that i've experienced but every time i'm around the track it is something that i witness i see i hear about in that connection and you know the more the more i engage motorsports the more you know i i have begun to recognize the whole family you know and and as i understand it you come from a line of motor racing like you you Have a family obsessed <laughs> with motorsports. Obsessed. So, so I grew
3: up obses- obsessed with. How did it, you yeah.
1: How did you get here?
3: Uh, so my dad and I, because I was the the race fan in the family, along with my dad. So we went all over the country all the time, and went to lots and lots of races. And so I grew up going to going to tracks all over and loving every minute of the time that I spent with my dad, and then loving the the sport that we were watching. So. It was kind of a natural when my dad bought my son a go-kart <laughs> when he was four.
1: And that's where the story began, right? That's where it
2: begins. Uh, yeah, at age four, 15 years ago. And you know, I think maybe the, one of the more unique things about that moment 15 years ago was that uh, I was not a motorsports fan, really had zero interest in it. You know, I grew up in a family of wrestling, football, baseball, the traditional sports and uh when i met amy well, she wanted to go to the track and watch races I said, there's <laughs> no way i'm gonna do that there's no way and so amy would go to the races with anyone that would go with her and uh and that that changed
3: once you get to see your kid do it
1: <laughs> that's really special i think that is a feeling that that I get more so. More so because my son was in soccer. That's how we connected. And when he broke his ankle for the second time, stopped playing soccer. You know, we we kind of lost that that thing that connected us. And we you know we spent a lot of time talking about and doing. You know, in club soccer, you're driving everywhere. You spend the whole weekend you know at a, at a soccer field or whatnot. And when that stopped, it was like that connection stopped. And then when we started go-karting, it started up again. And like that, that is actually how I felt, you know, when that started up again, because as a motorsports fan myself, he started speaking my, my, my love language of motorsports. And, you know, you're kind of like, wow, brake zones, accelerating, you know, lap times and, you know, a 10th of a second here and a 10th of a second there. It was like, it was those conversations connected us again. And so I, I think that's. That's special. They, how did the whole how did the whole go kart purchase start? Was that a Christmas present? Was it something that Spike wanted to do? Yeah,
2: on? it was. Uh, you know, Spike is is the is the grandson in the family, and uh, uh, you know, Amy's dad and mother were motorsports fans. You know, they were involved in all the in all of the car clubs in St. Louis. Amy's mom, much like Amy, was very dedicated in organizing those car clubs, you know, there's a registrar and, and uh, I think they had a genuine interest in at least exposing their grandson to the sport. And uh, Christmas morning, 15 years ago on the table, there was a red Margay go-kart and, uh, and yeah.
3: Which then meant my son thought he could stand on the table to crawl <laughs> into the go-kart. It's like, okay. yeah. <laughs> we'll make an exception.
2: <laughs> but it was a great day. Um, you know, we got the stickers out, stickers out, started putting stickers on yeah. the go-kart and, uh, didn't realize we were in way over our head, you know, 15 years ago, getting into go-karting, there were a lot of barriers to entry. I had zero mechanical abilities. We had a five-year-old son, Amy loved the racetrack. <laughs> we knew where the racetracks were. Um, there was one, you know, South of St. Louis and and one in Springfield, Illinois, that we frequented, but uh, to be fair, there were lots of barriers to entry, and uh, that made it extremely tough. I, just to be completely fair, had never turned a wrench before. <laughs>
3: that makes it
1: hard. <laughs> yes, I, that is something in a in the, in the first year of karting that I, you know, I, I understand a wrench, I understand mechanics, but boy when, when the sun comes out and it changes your entire setup and the clouds come back out and it changes it again, or, you know, you, the cart's behaving abnormally and you don't know what to do and you're panicking and, yeah. you know, he's falling down the ladder. You, yeah. You get worried. So I, I understand
2: that. And we were worried about different things. Like how do we get this go-kart off this table to the go-kart track? Yeah. No trailer, no truck, <laughs> right? Like how, how, how was how's that all going to happen?
1: So, uh. It's uh, it, it wasn't easy. It wasn't easy. I think this is an important part of the step, which is there's a go kart for Christmas. You found a track or some tracks. Was it? Was there a season starting? You know, was did you enter? You know, a, like a friendly league or was it competitive from the start? Like, how did you arrive from like he was winning karting to like the Christmas tree? <laughs> I think, uh, you want to take that one?
2: <laughs> it's a lot to unpack.
3: Well, I mean, to begin with, just to get the cart to the track was thankfully, my mom had a an SUV big enough that we could roll it in and put a few tools around and off we would go. So that's how we very first started. But once you get to the track, you realize very quickly that you are in it to win it. And it quickly develops into, um, more tools, bigger vehicles, and more help like you know like Todd said he didn't he didn't know how to tune an engine or you know put on a tire or any of that stuff. and you're competing against dads who know those things you know that are helping their sons. So for us there was a lot of um, quick learning and fortunately some people who, you know, were very kind to us at the track and knew we were new and knew we didn't know what we were doing. And, you know, when you're still new and you don't know what you're doing and you're not winning yet, there's a lot of people that are willing to help you. You
1: need to (laughs) spot that, right? (laughs) Yeah. They're working out of their trunk and not a trailer. Yeah. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, I'm going to use that word grateful again. You know, there are lots of folks that that helped us along, you know, Uh, Keith Freeber at MarGay. Lots of folks at the track saw us struggling and, uh, we knew enough to be dangerous, but what we did notice as we were going through the early chapters of that journey is that we really liked it. Yeah. It was different than anything that we had ever done. Anything we'd ever done as a family, as individuals, you know, it was it's tough to explain, really tough to explain, but we were in it and from there, you know, it's, wait a minute, we need this, we need that, we need that. But I think what, what we were always careful with is that we would always pause periodically, whether that was at the end of the season, at the middle of the season, after a tough car ride home, we'd always pause and say, do we wanna do this?
1: Do we really wanna do this? Well, let me just, let me unpack. When you said you want to do this, is this, Spike, do you want to be a professional race car driver or do you want to get more competitive or do we want to keep spending the weekend at the track?
2: I think we were very realistic with our goals all along and our goals may have been different than many of the folks at the track. Our goal was to, you know, are we having a good time? Are we improving? Are we excited about getting in the car and driving to the track? The drives home we knew sometimes weren't gonna be exciting. But were we happy to be there? Were we learning? Were we saying to ourselves we should be or we could be somewhere else? And so we were saying, you know, do we want to get in the car next weekend? That's load the, the car up yeah. as a family yeah. and go. Because we were committed to doing this as a family. And uh, and we said that despite, you know, this, you know, I mean. Again, Amy, being knowledge, more knowledgeable about motorsports than I was, you know, she was instrumental you know, with the timing and all the support of the track and guidance. And we had committed early on it has to be family. We have to be willing to get in the car and be
1: happy about it.
2: Are we willing to do that next race, next weekend, next month, next season?
1: The answer has been yes. Ever since. And how many years? Wh- where did it go? How did it elevate from fun to we we kind of understand what's going on to all in? All in, I mean, like let's let's shoot for the stars, let's win championships, let's travel, let's.
3: I think that happened pretty quick. Well, you competed in the kid kart nationals as a yeah what six year old. So.
2: Yeah, I I think that's a good example of the milestones of we're we're all in, and then you think you're all in until the next milestone, and you have to ask yourself the same question again. Are we all in for the next level? And I think those are good examples. It's, you know, big competitions. It's leaving on Christmas Day to go to Daytona Cart Week. It's you know, missing out on a family event that you really wanted to be a part of and the family wants you to be a part of, but you need to be, pick your city, pick your state. It's, we need to get this trailer, or we need this part, or we need to make these sacrifices to be able to do these things. Those milestones, I think, were a series of questions that you had to answer. Are we ready to be all in? Because I think about one of the, you know, one of the bigger moments of being able to answer, you know, are we all in? You know, we were traveling back and forth. Spike had just started racing cars, Formula Ford, which is just a brilliant, brilliant car class in Canada. And he was in an ac- academically rigorous school. We were getting home from Canada, at, you know, two, three in the morning on Monday morning. He was turning around and going to class at 6.30, seven o'clock on that same morning. And, uh, you know, he woke up one day and said, I can't do this. I can't do it. And so those are moments I think that we've tried to be really good at as a family. What does this mean? How do we you know do we want to make an effort to to adjust to be able to say yes, or is it time to say okay? So I think we we were we were good about that, right? We tried to be really careful about always sitting down as a family and saying okay this is tough
3: Balancing life, yeah.
2: do we want
1: are we ready to go to the next step and now I, I actually i want you to dig into that a little bit more because when we first when we first had a cup of coffee you were telling me this story because you just glazed over it but like really telling the story of what a race weekend looked like as a working professional i mean you're you're an actual executive for a major company, you know, as a day job as your full-time employment. So, what, you know, explain what a what a race weekend entailed yeah. as far as travel and logistics. And yeah, and, and
2: to be fair, um, you know, Amy and I have had some really great folks, you know, gr- really great employers that uh, we've we've had conversations with along the way, and they've said, "You're doing what?" <laughs> so we've had a lots of lots of those conversations and we've been you know really blessed that we've had the opportunity to do it you know we're not we're not business owners uh, with all due respect we didn't have that kind of kind of flexibility so we had to have those tough conversations with employers i would say that the preparations for those weekends really changed from from year to year but you know back to the specific example where where we were Thought we were at a stopping point, traveling back and forth to Canada. I mean, it was uh, you know, Amy and I were working until you know one or two o'clock in the morning, trying not to, in a hotel in in Canada, trying not to wake up our driver, and make sure he's you know appropriately prepared for the following day, being supportive, trying to find the balance of being the parent and a race fan, and uh, you know uber driver whatever we needed to be at the same time trying to remain you know committed to you know faith family and uh and our employers and that hasn't always been easy and uh, i think that's what's brought us here today is that we've not been afraid to do hard things
1: well i think that's what it takes it's a tough it's a tough business and i think you know, I do want to get into the business end of your experience, but I still think that there's so much more in your story of, you know, going from, you know, however many years of carding that you guys did to hitting Formula Ford and then, you know, what that entailed first. But like, what was, what was the moment as a parent when, you know, when it was kind of the spark went off and it was like, there's something here. This is more than just, you know, A soccer game on the weekend or you know a a weekend at the track like there's something special here
3: well i think i think for me um it's kind of funny in my mind but i was the mom kind of always you know wanting to hold him back you know he's only eight we don't need to move him up he can stay in this class for another couple years and then we had this you know we're building this village of people around us that were motorsport people and they're like move him up move him up and so I'm like, and so we'd have these dinners and, you know, with these great people that have been super instrumental in advising us because we didn't know. And like, when is it appropriate to move them up? You know, if they can stay in a class a couple more years, like, are they ready to be moved up? And, you know, what does that look like? And so for me, I would always hear at the dinners, he's ready, he's ready, let's move him up. And as a mom, I was, you know, still saying, oh, he's fine where he is. And so I would say um, he was, you know, I think through those mentors and advisors who knew about motorsports, sports, like they were the ones that really helped kind of give me the wings, if you will, to let him go so that he could keep moving up at the appropriate pace. And uh, that was you know, probably hard when he, he still seemed like my little baby, you know, <laughs> through a lot of that, he was, he was little. Um,
0: was how
1: old?
3: Well, and then he gets to Formula Ford, so he was 15 when he started that. This... But I, I'm, I guess I'm going even backwards to where, and then he starts winning championship, you know, national championships, and, um, and then, yes, that led us into Formula Ford in Canada initially at
1: 15. How do you, I mean, how do you juggle school? Cause a 15 year old still has schooling commitments, hot. Yeah, yeah, uh,
2: not, not easy. Uh, the, the journey has not been easy. And you know I, I wanna make sure that, that that is back to being grateful. It hasn't been easy and we're grateful that we are here, here where we are today. Um, yeah, the, the schooling was tough and I think I like what Amy said, and I, I think that's spot on. There have been a lot of people that have brought us here today, right? This is not, this is not Todd something. and Amy, that's husband and wife with, uh, with a kid named Spike that enjoys motorsports and happens to be good at it, right? There are, you know, this room could be filled with people, filled with people that have been willing to help guide us with their time, treasure and talent and everything in between. And I just, you know, grateful. Back to the word grateful you know your question about the education i think is a, is a good one in that we're back to this scenario right where, where we're at one of those pauses we've come back from canada and spike says i can't do it anymore and so we reconvene as a family and you know we sat down around the table and said you know what 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 do you want to do and spike says well i want to drop out of school I said, "Well, that's not an option. <laughs> that's not an option. <laughs> not I want to quit racing. <laughs> I'm done with school. Right, right. Okay. Ra- I, let's racing thing. Let's keep doing that. This school thing. Let's let's accept that. It. Yeah, I love it. His mother wasn't too happy about that, but uh, you know, again, we're talking about a um, you know a young man mm-hmm. who's making some big decisions, and uh, so we we went to our local high school, and just so happened the principal at a high school was a was a high school acquaintance of mine, okay. and so. Here we are again, sitting down with great people who have guided us. We're sitting down with the principal of the local high school. And we tell our story and say, um, we're we're thinking about moving to New Zealand. For racing. For racing. And taking school in New Zealand. And he catches his breath and, (laughs) and looks at us and says, uh, I think we can make this work. And so online school, right? Online school before it was perhaps more mainstream than it is today. And Spike was the first student in the state of Missouri to take the online program called Launch internationally. They were great to him. The teachers were great to him. You know, it's kind of feel like they're in this room with us today. Lots of people, lots of people have helped us get to
1: where we are. So, okay. So. Formula Ford in Canada. Now we're talking New Zealand. So now as two working professional parents with now you have the ability to do online school in the opposite side of the world. Now, how do you manage the logistics of that? I mean, that's not a two hour Southwest flight,
3: that's... (laughs) 36 hours.
1: Yeah, we flipped the coin
2: and I lost. I got to stay back here in in, uh, St. Louis (laughs) in January and February, March and April. uh, Yeah, I think, uh, you know, back to our employers being being very good to us. Uh, We told the story and Amy and Spike packed up their bags and moved to New Zealand. And I stayed back with the dog and our
1: family separate. How now how long was that season that not the racing season, but the season of being apart.
3: We were about three and a half months that Spike and I were gone. And we lived with the race team in New Zealand. So that was a good, interesting experience and a bonding time, certainly, for Spike and I to be living overseas without sort of, you know, Todd always sort of in the mix. And you got to come over some Yeah. I
2: mean, you know, we, we made it work, right. It was, it was different. It was a big commitment. Um, you know, you have those conversations again, as a family, is this, are we sure this is what we want to do? Uh, a young man leaving his friends at a really important time in his life, right. A couple being separated, you know, at a, you know, pretty important time in a child's life where, where parent guidance really, really matters. Um, and family, right? Big decision. But uh, it was one of those family conversations. And
3: it was a pretty awesome experience. <laughs> <laughs> so,
2: yeah.
1: So, what, what was that series in New Zealand? So, you've gone from Formula 4 to. Yeah, New Zealand,
2: um, you know, the, the Kiwis are mad about their motorsports and some of the best you know racing on the planet happens in the north and south island of new zealand and formula ford uh, has very strong roots there the tracks are very narrow very competitive Uh, it was just an ideal place to continue to build spikes foundation and so
1: off to new zealand we go and that was f4 that was formula ford Formula Ford still. Formula okay. Ford in New Zealand, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. And you raced against some serious competition there.
2: Some, you know, every driver in you know, Formula Ford is brilliant racing. It's the equivalent of, of uh, you know, the Margay Ignite program and go-karting. You know, just really close racing. A lot about developing the driver. It's all mechanical grip. It just, It was just fantastic. Every driver on any given day had a had a chance to win, and
1: uh, we just love this. Yeah, it's just it's every corner brilliant, brilliant (laughs) racing. Yeah, because this is a this is a proving ground for a lot of European junior formula drivers. Is that because it's in the off season of you know the
2: the beautiful thing about New Zealand. Is that not only have a great Formula Ford program, but they also have this wonderful off-season program for Formula One hopefuls, and that's uh, the F3 Toyota Racing program. Okay. That's a few
1: chapters down. We weren't we weren't quite ready for that yet. Okay, yes. so so then let's let's hold off on that. Yeah. Okay. So you're in New Zealand for three months. Then what? Do you stay in New Zealand longer? Where did you go after that?
2: came back home, right? Yeah. And uh, I think you know, going back to what we tried to be true to is sitting down as a family and saying, "Did we feel like we've adequately you know check, checked that box, and did we learn? Are we committed to taking you know, the next step?" And uh, we realized how much we really love Formula Ford Racing. And where do you go next? Well, again, back to some mentors said, you need to go to the UK, the best Formula Ford racing on the planet. To have the opportunity to race it, tracks like Silverstone and Brands Hatch and many other iconic tracks, Snetterton, others around the UK. You've got to go. You've got to go to the UK and you've got to race Formula Ford. And the countless open-wheel drivers that have really earned their stripes there in the UK, off we went again, but this time we just sent our kid. How was that?
0: <laughs> I'll let his
2: mom answer that one.
3: <laughs> Well, we never heard from him. Once he was on the plane, it was like, okay, talk to you in six months. And
1: this is before Zoom and yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah, the immediate communication we have globally now. Yeah. yeah.
3: Well, he could have texted, but <laughs> he didn't. But the cool thing for us was we, He went and lived in a small little village outside of London with with his race team. He was 16 at that point and Todd and I went back and forth 13 times in six months for the race weekends which is you know about four and a half or five days of racing and practice. So it was um, an interesting time for us. We, we got the travel down to a science, we'd get to Philadelphia, we'd work all day from the lounge, we'd fly all night, <laughs> we'd get in in the morning, we'd go straight to the racetrack. I mean, we kind of got it down to as quick of a trip as possible. And then uh, we did that 13 times and our son had a really great season there and then he came back to America. And that was sort of the whole plan was Bring him back to America, and then sort of. Oh, oh no, because then from there he went to. New Zealand. we had to have
1: one of those conversations. Oh right, and then we went to New Zealand.
3: <laughs> so then that's when we went back to New Zealand. Who,
1: so who's the lead? This this sounds to me like this is the preparation in advance of the in the next season. When you have the sit down, what do we want to do? Do we want to keep doing this? Like who's who's actually leading this conversation?
2: Uh, it's a fair it's a fair question. Uh, you know, I, I try to be really careful not to say, here's the plan and, and uh, I, I will say that Spike has done a remarkable job, right? That's, we wanna be grounded in the importance of being good parents and raising our child, to be a you know, good contributor to suci- society and uh, independence and all those kinds of things. And so as we're going through that journey, we're sort of pivoting and, and giving the, you know, the baton to him. And letting him drive those conversations. And it was right about that time, just to expound on your question, you know, we had some concerns. Here's here's a young man who's given up more friends, more high school experiences. He's living in a small village in the UK. And when I mean small, like you know, 100, 150 people small. And his parents were sort of questioning some of our decisions, right? Is this the right thing to do for our child? And one day he he answers the question that we had asked him. You know, how are you doing? Are are you making friends? Because sort of the back part of the season, we're a little worried. You know, like have we done the right thing? And and he said, you know, I went to the store and uh, I bought a soccer ball. I go to the park at night. I kick the ball around, and the kids come out of the houses.
3: All ages. Six.
2: to 86 and everyone in between. And he said, I'm organizing the town soccer parties tonight. Love it. And we just looked at each other and said, okay, (laughs) we're we're okay. We can go back to being happy parents again and not
1: being so worried. So, So, okay. So you have the dinner or the conversation and and then what's next? You're in America. You've been to New Zealand. You've been to the UK. Now what?
2: Yeah, we, we, uh, we, we, we get a phone call from uh, some folks that we'd met in New Zealand. And uh, I said, you know, here's an opportunity. It's a F3 car in New Zealand, Toyota racing series. It's where the Formula One hopefuls come. It's the off season. It's a, uh, you know, it's an intense five week program. Uh, We think it's a massive, massive jump for Spike. And we wanna make sure that you guys know to just to be realistic, but, We'd love to have him as part of the program. And so we said, let's go back to New Zealand. Let's do it. And, uh, and Did it win was. You coin
1: flip this time?
2: I, I lost the coin flip again. <laughs> but again, being grateful, you know, didn't have a chance to go down and, and see my son race against the likes of Yuki Sonoda and Liam Lawson. A lot of other fantastic open wheel drivers, and he did remarkably well. But that was a that was a big test, right? It was another one of those box we've, boxes we felt like we had to check: Are we prepared to move to the to the next level? This wasn't let's just you know, with all due respect, let's write a check to you know to move up. This is: Have we earned our way? Have we earned the right? You know, to to race at this level and. Uh, yeah, won most improved driver of the of the year. Had a great, you know, New Zealand Grand Prix. Qualified third. Outqualified some some of the folks that you see on the F2 and F1 grid today.
1: So it was great. So when you do that, because motorsports is is not always about winning every single race. It's do phone calls start coming in at this point? I mean, at this point, he's arguably at the world stage. He's won championships, traveled the world, raced with some pretty, pretty big names out there. I mean, are, are, do phone calls start coming in for F3, IndyCar? I mean, F2. When he qualified
2: um, P3 at the New Zealand Grand Prix, uh, the phone started ringing and it was uh, the European teams. They were watching, and uh, it was humbling, right? Like, look, we we've been racing Formula Ford, this big, slick and wing, beautiful car. Uh, we we're in over our skis here, right? Like we, you know, we we were getting better. Spike was getting better every weekend, and that New Zealand Grand Prix put him on the map. It was, <laughs> I wasn't there, but I watched it on TV. <laughs> you got the phone call. <laughs> I got the phone call. Did he? <laughs> yeah.
1: Okay. So, so the phone calls start coming in. And I think this is a good kind of point to, to really talk about, you know, I, of course, I know a lot of the story, but, you know, when, when these phone calls start coming in, these are not, people aren't coming to you guys with. million contracts, you know, to to pay him to come over here. And, you know, you've not done all of all of this on paychecks. I mean, you guys have paid for this. And anybody listening knows that that that's doesn't come cheap. Like what what are the sacrifices that you've had to make to to get here? I mean, what have what have those what are those benchmark costs been kind of jumping from place to place? Oh uh, let me take a shot at that
3: <laughs> sure uh
2: i'll try I'll try to answer the question you know re- redirect me if, if you want to. I think uh, we had made some you know sacrifices to get to that point, some of those things uh, personal. Uh, we knew that uh, but we wanted to do them to be fair, right this wasn't this wasn't a, a fight. Right, it was it was that conversation, and we or re- we prepared. Instead of doing this, mm-hmm. do we want to do this? It was those kinds of questions. But it's at that point we knew that going to Europe was going to be very economically challenging. To your point, you know, it was it was. We'd love to have you on the team. Uh, this is what it will cost. And t- to be fair and to be respectful, those European teams. I think they had a, a keen, keen desire to have an American driver on the team, which was unique, right? It's uh, uh, we were we were very respectful, honored that they called, uh, but we had to we had to say no, and we said no to many of them.
1: We said no to all of them. <laughs> um, it just it wasn't it wasn't realistic for us. Was that now? Was that to go into Formula Three, Formula Four 2?
2: Yeah, uh, there was Formula Three. Okay. Um, you know, several of the teams. In, uh, it just wasn't
3: wasn't like, yeah. financially, yeah, feasible. It it was it wasn't Perfect. feasible,
2: and you know maybe to be to be completely fair, that would have been another one of those you know big jumps w- where we prepared for. It. Mm-hmm. But it, it it almost didn't matter because we you know it was never a, a question we could
1: we could do it. Just uh, financially wasn't wasn't an option for us. So so what I mean, what do families do? And the I mean any Formula One or IndyCar driver has to arrive at that point. And, yeah. you know, what, what do drivers do? What do parents do, Yeah, you know, to provide that, that pathway for their child?
2: Yeah, I think we had to, uh, you know, to look at what we were willing and could financially do and, you know, figure out what the gap was. The gap was pretty significant. And then back to those folks that have been very good to us that I, you know, that I think about candidly most every day. Uh, we, had to, we had to go ask. We had to go ask for money. And we had to find a series that was appropriate for the budget that we thought we could attain and appropriate for the skill level of the driver. We wanted to make sure that we continued to check those boxes that we were prepared to move forward. And um, I remember sitting down with some friends and saying, you know, we're back to your earlier question. We're we're all in as a family. We're gonna go. We're gonna go ask people for money. Mm-hmm. And I remember, you know, we sat down with some friends for dinner and uh, people that we know and trust. And without exception, without exception, everyone that we ask, go for it. Mm-hmm.
1: And so we did. Okay. So so for. For those that are listening that don't understand the structure of that, you know, you you basically have three options. It's either you write the check, a sponsor writes the check, or somebody invests in future earnings. So I mean, how how are you how are you even learning this stuff? Like how do you how do you as parents say, Okay, somebody needs us to write a four hundred thousand dollar check? Yeah. You know, for for him to get to the next level. How do we come up with that? Yeah.
2: I don't think we were afraid to ask a lot of questions. And credit to to some folks that uh maybe if they're listening to this they'll they'll know mm-hmm. there were some folks that are, you know, competitors to this day that that answered the phone and said, here here are some here's some ideas. Mm-hmm. And again, being grateful for that because uh you know, there are a lot of trade secrets in motorsports, right? And uh and but we weren't afraid to to ask a lot of people. You know, a, a lot of questions. And we went on a sort of a quiet campaign, if you will. Here's what we're thinking about doing next year. Would you be interested in, in supporting a kid from St. Louis?
1: Following the dream. That was so
2: Following nice. the dream. Yeah. A local kid in St. Louis that wants to represent St. Louis and the businesses and the people and the families that support him. Do you, do you want to be a part of that? And people started saying yes, <laughs> right? And, and uh, again, I'm humbled, right? Because um, time, treasure and talent, we, we found that people were, were willing to give of all those three things. And it, this wasn't, again, this, this wasn't just me going and sitting down with people. It was us as a family, it was Spike individually. It was a combination of all of the above, you know, asking people here's what we're trying to do. we got a stainless kid that's trying to, to make it big. Do you want to be a part of that? And what we heard was interesting. You know, this, almost without exception, everyone said, never thought I'd be a part of something like this. Didn't know it existed. <laughs> uh, I am compelled by
1: the story and want to be a part of something different. That was my next question. Do you feel like people believed in the, in the story, or in the previous results? Did they even ask what his results were? Or was I think it like... the
3: amazing part was the people that really did contribute significantly to him, and really were super excited to get behind the whole um, story, were people that knew nothing about motorsports. So, and and the cool thing about that is, like, some of them became huge motorsport fans. Because of it, because they like now have a person to follow. They have their driver that they really care about. And once they came to the track and they saw what a race weekend was actually like, and all of the complexity of it, and the intensities of it, and the training that Spikes put in for, you know, a decade, and um, you know how hard you know, there's so much more to the the race than just the moment you're on the track and I I think it's hard for people to comprehend that until they're on the back of our golf cart going from corner to corner and getting to see how difficult it is or being on the track in a golf cart during the track walk and and getting to see what it's like to be on the track themselves and they're like oh wow this is completely different than it looks on tv because it's a lot more undulating and rolling and you know and you can't pick up all that kind of stuff and then they're like oh I realize how much harder this actually would be to be on track then driver so. has
1: something to do with it right <laughs> so the driver does have something do. <laughs> so so up until this point we're we're in New Zealand we've come back to America like what what has been your favorite of all to this point I mean where did you where did you feel like the most growth occurred and, and kind of.
2: Yeah. It's the, the it's the, uh, it's the question, right? My, my son, my daughter, uh, my, my cousin, my niece, my nephew, they, they want to get into motorsports. What, what do you recommend? And of course we're, we're big believers in, in go-karting. Uh, there probably hasn't been a, Hasn't been a day that's gone by in the last 15 years or probably hasn't been the word go-kart mentioned. <laughs> that's, that's a little <laughs> bit crazy, but um, yeah, it's, it's the foundation of motorsports, right? And that, that sounds a little cliche-like, but I think one thing really important about, you know, go-karting is it allows you, the driver, you, the parent, you, the supporter, to be able to check the box. Are we having fun? Are we learning? Are we ready to take the next level? And karting itself, right, just seems like it has just a ton of momentum here in the US. And look, you can spend as much time and energy as you want in the sport of karting and um, have hopefully some great memories like, like we have. So kart- karting for sure. Now to be candid, you know, I really wish that there was a big, uh, a larger presence of Formula Ford here in the US. It's not a particularly sexy car. You know, There aren't any wings on it. But it is just a brilliant car for a driver to learn how to drive, you know, really.
3: It's a good stepping stone.
2: It's a great stepping stone. Back, you know, again, at the risk of repeating myself, check the box, right? Are we having fun? It's higher speed. It's closer racing. Uh, it is super, super competitive. Or at that point, you know, maybe you have an interest in sports car racing and you there's lots of opportunities for that. So I think it's a good time to be asking that question in the United States. How do I get into motorsports? There are lots of opportunities I think that that may be a little different than what we had 15 years ago. And someone might say different than it was 30 years ago or 50 years ago. What we know is 15 years ago and it feels like there are a lot more opportunities to be able to check those boxes and answer those questions. Am I right for
1: motorsports? Is this what I want to do? How far I want to take it. Mm-hmm. so so you're in America I imagine you sit down what do we do next do we want to keep doing this then what we we go ask for uh, for supporters
2: and uh, you know I could I could tell you you know we could tell you um, you know there were some trials and tribulations in those conversations because kind of wearing our you know, heart on our sleeves, right? We're going to people and saying, look, we've had a great journey here, but um, we, we can't afford it, right? And again, our, our, we're incredibly blessed, uh, fortunate, but um, we just have to tell you, right? Like, and we were, we were transparent with people, how much money we had, how much we had spent, how much we could spend. What sacrifices we've made. Some of those things are very personal, uh, but we decided that was fair and appropriate to the people that might be interested in supporting Spike. And people started saying yes,
3: significantly,
2: yeah. significantly. And um, and then so we we moved to to F four here in the U S. and raced F four and uh, and it was a it was a great experience just. Again, great racing, very competitive, different than the Toyota Racing Series F3 car, certainly different than than Formula Ford. Uh, but we were racing in the U.S. for the first time, racing on U.S. tracks for the first time. Spike had never really raced on U.S. tracks, so big disadvantage, right? He shows up at Road Atlanta or Barbara Motorsports Park and his competitors may have seen it 15, 20, 30, 40 times. Spike's like, I don't even know where I am, (laughs) this is Alabama. And, uh, but again, it was, uh, uh, it was, it was great. A great experience.
1: How quickly, how quickly did he adapt to Formula Four?
3: Well, I think he would tell you every car is different. Mm -hmm. This is what he's, you know, explained to me. Each car is different. There's definitely a learning curve for each car, each car and each track and, you know, I think he always said that the F3 car that he drove in New Zealand was the most challenging car for him to drive of the cars he's driven so far, um, but I think they each have their own set of uniqueness, and, you know, you can't just jump in one and assume it's, oh, they look similar, they're going to handle the same way. So so for him, and he's very methodical about how he wants to go about learning and so, you know, it takes them a little bit of time to adjust, I think. And that's a good thing that we have pra- a lot of practice in America before you actually have to go out and race, uh, because that's a nice uh, benefit since we as a family can't afford to, you know, just go and rent tracks out, which, you know, some drivers are able to do that. And so we would always have to use all the time on the track, would be you know, during a regular season experience as opposed to off season.
2: So season. it had to be resourceful. Yeah. yeah, but I think there's some good things about that, right? Again, um, how quickly can you adapt? Mm-hmm. Some good life lessons yeah. in that, yeah. right? <laughs> how quickly can you adapt? And apply that to motorsports or life in general. And I think that's an important, important thing to, to assess and grow. How did that season go? It went great. Yeah. Yeah. It went great. Like I said, there was some fantastic racing and, uh, you know, finished on, the, you know, winning races and, uh, you know, finishing, finishing on the podium at the end of the year, you know, winning at Coda, winning at Barber, just iconic tracks. And, and it, it really allowed us to, you know, once again, sort of come back and assess, you know, are we, are we making the progress we want? Are we happy? You know, was it, Sitting down at the table again, right? That those family conversations. Are we ready to move forward?
1: Now, when you say move forward, are those conversations easier to have when you kind of finish a season like that? Are there are there more options on the table? Kind of better better deal structure for taking the next step in the in the ladder? I think so. I, and I think it also just gives you,
2: you know, as a you know, as a driver or as a family supporter, you know, more confidence and and there's also, you know, maybe some driver preference that comes along. I like this car. I didn't particularly like that car. I have an interest in this car over here. And you want to, you know, you want to develop those, those interests and those skills by driving a variety of cars. So we were always looking to continue to build the foundation and not make things particularly easy for Spike back to you know what i said earlier do do hard things
1: right do hard things has there ever been a a, an overall objective so when the when the cart ends up under the tree to to today has there ever been an ultimate goal i want to be formula one driver i want to be an indy car driver i want to be a nascar driver like his has there ever been one main objective or is it just to get to the top of one of those rungs?
2: It's a um, surprisingly difficult question you just asked. Because I think that the natural response and candidly our response for a long time and probably still part of the answer is, you know, look, if you're in open wheel racing in the United States, you want to be on the grid for the Indianapolis 500. You want to represent your supporters, your family, your sponsors, your city, your state, your country. You want to be on that grid. And I think that would, if that response didn't hold true for any young woman or young man that jumps into an open wheel car, I would be surprised. Because I think that is, that that's that's utopia. On the same hand, I think we've had, you know, I'm exaggerating a little bit. We've had hundreds of other goals along the way. Some of which, you know, probably not appropriate to share here, personal personal things. But I think as a as parents, you know, we had some objectives for our son. Along this journey, we couldn't forget that we were raising a child. And it was easy sometimes. My my son is the, you know, is he, he he's the driver, he's he's the product, he's the what no is our son, right? And uh, so there were lots of parenting objectives along the way. And look, you know, we we race to win, right? And I I think if any driver said anything other than that, I would be surprised as well. Uh, But are we learning? Are we developing? And, you know, have we really
1: check the box. You guys leading up to this point, I mean, you're arguably spending a fortune every season. You know, your investors are investing, your sponsors are supporting. You know, are are there ever like doubts that enter your mind of either of you as parents? I know it's like it's your child and you will literally crash through this brick wall to create a path for them. But like, do you ever sit and say like, is college a better option or is like some other series a better option or you know and then at the end of that question is like what what is where does the motivation then come from to say no this we're gonna get him there he's gonna get there you know we're gonna do whatever it takes to, to achieve that and i think for make- me
3: i have to have like some faith in there that this is gonna like i know that he. Has these amazing goals, and um, you know, sometimes when I'm like, "We can't just write the check," so how is this going to happen? I just have to believe in the in my faith to think that it will happen because it's been happening, Mm -hmm. and you know, through a lot of hard work and a lot of determination. But then, um, you know, he, you know, it's just it's been amazing to us that people, like I said, who have no motorsport interest have really wanted to get behind him and his story to get him, you know, to his dream. So I think that is where faith comes in for me, like, this will (laughs) happen. You don't always know the path.
1: (laughs) Yeah. I I think that in, in getting to know you guys, I think that's always been your greatest asset is to, have multiple objectives because you know i I think if it's like i want to be a formula one driver well these are 20 people in the world you know and the probability of like when you look at guys you know daniel ricardo arguably one of the best drivers most commercially valuable people might not have a drive next year you know and then to think like is that an option is it is it realistic watching you know chasing the dream on f1 tv you know you're seeing 20 or 30 kids a year trying to get through f2 and 19 and probably 20 of them on the grid don't ever get to that objective and you guys have always had this very clear you know it's just the next step in the ladder you know and and you know i think the overall message that i've always heard from you is indy 500 we want to be on the indy 500 we want to be on that grid and I think that's that's special. yeah, yeah, it's uh,
2: it is special, and we've you know we've been grateful to experience a lot of in our minds a lot of those Indy 500s around the planet, you know, whether it's uh, Mossport in Toronto, Canada, Silverstone, pick your track all the beautiful tracks in New Zealand, Brand's Hatch indianapolis motor speedway we've there have been lots of indianapolis 500 grids in our mind (laughs) and uh, we just feel incredibly incredibly blessed but probably not probably more blessed to know that in the journey that we've been on for 15 years that we're still focused you know on faith family supporters, the people around us, the mentors, like, you know, at the risk of using the analogy again, this room would be filled top to bottom with people that are providing us guidance. And uh, it, it wouldn't be possible without them. I've been to a race with you guys before.
1: I know all the people <laughs> that follow you around the country. It takes That's special. a special. It does. Sure. Yeah. It takes a village. So, so following that USF road to Indy, You've done that for two seasons, you know. Is this is this now the path, the direction? It's a it's a
2: fair question, um, and we've been asked that a lot. Um, we have a we have a, a team slash family policy of not talking about it until the end of the season, and uh, uh, our our decisioning process perhaps is different than. With all due respect to a lot of different drivers and families, right? It takes significant funds to you know to be on that grid. Uh, so um, stay tuned.
3: <laughs>
2: but I, I I will tell you that uh, you know we were in we were in Portland and someone that had never met Spike came to watch Spike race and you know, he cornered me in the middle literally cornered me in the middle of the weekend you know up against the fence and uh and he says you've got an incredible story and your son has an even better story
3: and he committed mm-hmm.
1: so we'll see where that goes it's incredible so hindsight is always twenty twenty. okay this is and I don't want this to be like, this is where we failed, but this is like 15 years. What would you have done differently? Mm-hmm. What do you think, hon? Huh?
3: <laughs> <laughs> I don't know.
1: You got, cause you I got, you got to remember there, there are so many people listening, you know, that, that watch the news that read stories and it's, you know, I race go-karts, I go to Formula Four, Formula Three, Formula Two, Formula One, or I, you know, I race go-karts and I, you know, rung up the road to Indy and I, I race an Indy car. And, you know, you guys have a more, to me, a more realistic story of how you've gotten there. You've kind of had to pivot, you've kind of had to make some adjustments. And, you know, for the majority of humans on the planet, writing million dollar checks every year and renting tracks is unattainable you know and i and i think i think it's important to look back and and especially for for young families or you know imagine yourself 15 years ago listening to this conversation you know what what advice do you have what 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 do you have out there for for somebody
3: i think it's well, you touched on this before, but it's such a difficult sport to sort of break into because there are um, so many things to learn and know. And I do think for, you know, excuse me, Marguerite, the Ignite class, has helped that. I mean, that was part of the goal for that so that it wasn't such a difficult sport to break into. And so um, we didn't have that. We were breaking in when you know, the carts were, you know, everyone had different brands and, you know, it was just a completely different world then. And I think, you know, when you ask, you know, hindsight's 2020, I think I look at it more from the approach of what all did we learn? I mean there's always there's big highs in racing. There's also big lows in racing. There's um, in racing, there's good luck sometimes in racing. Sometimes there's bad luck in racing. And and sometimes you have, you know, no control over either one of those things happening. Um, So I just think that there is a lot of learnings that happen no matter what. And you've you've chosen the path. So you wanna make the most of what happened in every corner of every race at every track. And I feel like, you know, there's engineers and mechanics and people, you know, that are in Spike's pit that are helping him understand all of that. Like we can't, we're, he's way beyond us. <laughs> so um, I think we just, we try, as a family, we tried to make the most of what did happen and how do we take that with us and make it better? How do we learn from it? Um, the life lessons you learn from the sport are, go so far beyond. Can I drive a race car fast? I mean, infinite amount of learnings for him that he will carry with him for his entire life, and we will carry with us. So,
2: yeah, that's that's spot on. You know, have we uh, have we had tough times? Have we made sacrifices? Yes, to both of those questions. Uh, have there been moments where like, what the heck are we doing? There, that, there've been been those moments, but. Um, uh, we are who we are today because of what happened yesterday and every yesterday for fifteen years. Not changing that
1: what do you What do you guys feel as parents got you to this point? Like you know family is important you know i our family are we're very connected you know so what what is it that you feel like that you've done since day one to today? that's contributed to the success or that you you wouldn't change for any result
3: well for one thing we have an only child so it does make it easier to <laughs> pour all of our energy you know talent treasure into that one individual
1: um I'm an only child I get that yeah <laughs> yeah, yeah. I'm good.
3: but you have two kids so so you know how you you know if you have two then you have to make it equitable and fair and you know how do you balance all that out you know when you have multiple children and so I think for us um you know having one child um helped us to you know I guess to just be able to pour 110 percent in day in and day out and not be distracted with something else I don't know
2: good answer yeah
1: I won't I won't try to expound on that (laughs) (laughs) what I think is an outsider what I've always noticed is just how close you guys are you know it's even even knowing you guys but also just again hearing the story again I think every time I hear it I learn something new it's just the the family dynamic of you know there's it's almost always done in unity. It's never Spike, you're going to do this, you know, or, you know, Dad, I want to do this. And, you know, it's always in unity. And there's never, you know, that that I can see where, you know, it's it's one against two or, you know, two against one. It's, yeah. it's we sit down after every season. and We say that we want to keep doing this. And I think that, you know, any any person that I've talked to that is starting this journey in this journey is always is always just that as like you know the, the racer is not a product it's your son you know and it should always be that and, and i think you guys have truly you guys have truly exemplified that in the in the years that i've known you and you know the races i've been able to attend so So every every season, so you guys have two years USF, you guys have done, you know, many, I guess multiple seasons and, and a series, has has it always been with the same team? Has it always been in different teams? I mean, how do you how do you even pick that? Because like if if I'm going into Formula One or IndyCar, like I pretty much could tell you with the flip of a hat, like who I want to race with. But you know, when you start getting into these teams that are, you know. They're they're televised on streaming internet. You know they're not they're not well known brands or teams. How do you how do you pick? It's a it's a
2: good question, um, and it really you know it varies significantly not only from season to season, but you know from sometimes from series to series. the 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 job of a team owner is you know extremely difficult, right? I just we could spend hours talking about that. That's that's a topic. For a team owner that might be on your show someday, but uh, you know what what we've tried to do is just be very grounded in every team brings something different, right different, a different set of skills, different background, different philosophies, and no one team is going to have an absolute hundred percent match with any magic wand that you would have about this is Utopia, but that's the beauty of it, right? You have to go into it, you know, really understanding and appreciating. This team owner, this mechanic, this engineer, this member of the sport team, they're all going to be different from the last one. What can we learn from them? And so I think every year, every year, including this year, I've been able to say, uh, our son, Spike, learned more this year than he did, you know, last year. It's a different set of learnings. Doesn't mean it was better or worse, just a different set of learnings from, from year to year, compounded over time. And I think that's what really makes, I think, a, you know, a very accomplished driver. Sure, there's the great long-term connection between engineer and driver, and that's a recipe that's often you know, measured in success. I also think there's some benefits in, in drivers really understanding and appreciating the ability to work with different folks, different teams engineers team owners and mechanics and spike's been fortunate to be able to do that and i think because of that uh,
1: his attitude showing up with track is arguably pretty well rounded what creates a good team dynamic or a, a bad team dynamic i mean you know i think i think one of the most misunderstood things with you know from from the outside is that it, it is all the drivers You know, and if you do end up in a particular series and you don't win every race or you don't win the championships, you're a bad driver. So, you know, me personally, I believe that the team has a lot to do with that. So, you know, what what creates success and what creates hardship where, where a driver's talents aren't showcased? I'm gonna answer that. And I it, think could it, be, it could be your experience or something you yeah. witnessed on the paddock. I,
2: yeah, I think um, a driver has to develop skills at an early age to really understand what's happening with the vehicle I'm driving. What's happening with the go-kart my driving is one tire off on tire pressure. How's the front end acting? Those skills are 100% transferable pick your age from 5 years 6 years 10 years 15 year old drivers into the highest level of motorsports and so when you have a driver that has the ability to really understand the car the behaviors of the car and an engineer that has the ability to interpret those and input it into the car and make those changes it's it's where that's like the, a beautiful it's dance. where the magic happens
3: <laughs> yeah
2: you know, not not to get off topic, but there is no bigger team sport than motorsports. Nothing even close. If one person on the team choose any of those folks that we've talked about is not in sync with the rest of the team, forget it. And that's why you see, you know, that's that's why you see some some challenges in the highest level of motorsports, right? Drivers often don't suddenly become underperformers, right? There's something missing. If you're performing at that very, very high level, it's a team sport it, and arguably, the you know, the most important, the most complicated team sport.
3: Yeah. Well, when you're talking about tenths or hundreds or even thousands of That's seconds yeah. where we know, you know, what's the closest race ever finished within ten thousandths of a second of you know, like that. So, yeah,
2: everything
1: matters. It does matter. I remember qualifying. I think the whole field was separated by something like three tenths of a second. Yeah. So. Yeah. That's. So in, you can yeah.
3: throw a blanket over that. Yeah. <laughs>
1: yeah.
2: I think you know if I had my facts straight, in New Zealand at the New Zealand Grand Prix, the difference between qualifying on pole and sixth was six one thousandths of a second. That's. Six cars, you know, within twelve inches of each other at one hundred and what forty-five miles an hour or something. My math isn't very good, but something <laughs> crazy <laughs> it's like that better actually.
1: than mine. Never <laughs> <laughs> even arrived that close. I mean, what's so? What's been what's been Spike's favorite series, leading up to this? Where have you seen him shine?
2: Yeah, I think if he were here answering that question, I think he would probably say. There's been bits and pieces of every series that he's really loved and appreciated. Uh, I can hear him now saying, you know, I love my karting days, you know. I loved I loved Formula Ford, racing Formula Ford Brands Hatch. I love F4 and Coda, you know. I loved, I loved, you know, having my supporters, you know, follow me around the United States when I finally had a chance to race here in the US. Even in the midst of COVID, you know, people were, People, are
3: still <laughs> people were coming
2: and watching race like that's just unbelievable right like how and you know, how many times can you thank people like that not not enough and we're still trying to find ways to to thank them so i think he would he would say there's something in every every series
1: that he's like I, he I hope he would if you could go back to the christmas tree would you do it all over again but <laughs> <laughs> well, we have a little joke
3: in our family that you know we're like well we blame our parents for this, but in reality, we love it. <laughs> yeah, we wouldn't have changed it.
1: No, yeah. it's, it's the only sport that I have been around where entire families, you know, and, and we're, we're mainly at car tracks, but like the mom, the sisters, the brothers, the dads, like they're all helping, you know, Wrench something out, take a cart over, fill up a gas tank, go grab new tires. You and know, the like... little
3: ones can't wait until they're old enough to get into the sport. And... <laughs> exactly. It's,
1: it's the most connected I've seen a family. It's like a team. Yeah. You know, whereas yeah. more organized sports is kind of like drop them off and yeah. pick them up.
2: Now, some of those decision points about moving up that we've talked about involve the family too, right? At what point is the family willing to give up components of that? You know? When, when did you give up the wrench uh i i
3: just, long time ago <laughs> i gave up the wrench a
2: long time ago i got fired many many times uh, uh but i distinctly remember you know being at brand's hatch when spike was racing formula Ford in the uk the wrench was long gone but we were in the pits and he walks up to us and he said
3: no more he said go be a spectator
2: go be a spectator Keep I'm this like, out. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Amy was relieved. I was like, well, I can clean the car. I can do something, you know. But uh,
1: so we he was 16 years old. Stands. and said,
2: you "Guys are out." How do
1: you how do you not get? I don't know. How do you how do you not go in the trailer and start dissecting data? Yeah. Well,
0: you're um, not allowed
2: in at that point. So. <laughs> I really like when yeah. you get
1: into open like bad. Uh,
2: there's not a lot of room for bad parents and in professional motorsports and uh that you know he,
3: not he, bad parents just parents
1: well, parents <laughs> in general yeah
2: right parents in general so uh, fortunately you know we we got the message early on that you know um, go watch the race enjoy it
3: <laughs> well to his credit he said you know he explained this actually to another parent who when we were living in New Zealand and this father was very, very, very involved, like so controlling over his son's racing. And his son was a really good racer, but you could tell that the son was underperforming because of the pressure, intense pressure. And I saw it like he would just yell at the kid. And this is in F-1600. And it's like, you know, the kid just was so afraid of what the dad was gonna say when he came off the track that he just couldn't get his mind around it when he was on the track. And so Spike tried to actually, the dad came to Spike and had this conversation with him. And Spike had this very mature conversation with the dad. And he said, you know, there's, we have all the experts, you're paying for all the experts to be around us to that know exactly what to tell us to do and how to do it. And to have a parent to try and come in who doesn't know the sport and trying to, you know, like us, like us trying to say how to take a corner. Well, we don't know how to take a corner, you know? And um, anyhow, he would just say that, let the experts teach us and tell us and guide us. And it's best for the parents to just, you know, yeah. watch from the sidelines and...
2: Yeah, I, th- I think it was appropriate, right? I think. Uh...
3: The dad was appreciative, yeah. actually.
2: Yeah, I, and the dad was appreciative. Believe it yeah. or not, yeah. yeah.
3: But the, the dad actually came to see, I mean, Spike and this driver were friends, and so the dad actually was seeking Spike out to understand, like, am I out of line to be, you know, yelling at my kid? And, and Spike, in a very mature way, tried to explain how difficult it is when you're on track and all the things, all the input that's in your mind that you're trying to execute.
1: By the way... You know, and I know I've told you guys this before, but Spike is the most mature what now 19 year old person that I've ever come across. And it's even gone as far, you know, Spike help, has helped my son out, you know, at, at races. And he'll call like the night before and just kind of tell him what to eat and how to prepare and stuff like that before race day. And I remember the last time Spike called Kyle, we were we were out shopping and and uh we ended the call, and and my son goes, he's really only nineteen years old. <laughs> like, yep, it's pretty wise oh, pretty mature, isn't he? Yeah, and it's like he's like a he's like a full blown adult. <laughs> so good job.
2: Appreciate that. Back to those important milestones in the journey, right? At the end of the day, where we we want to be parents, and we want a, a child that is you know
1: is ready to do great things in the world. I couldn't agree more. So. So I, I get this, this question all the time. So it is, I'm X years old, four years old, 14 years old, 50 years old, and I want to be a professional driver. You know, from your vantage point as a parent, like, what does it actually take to, to achieve that? I mean, you're 15 years into your journey and you, you're still not there yet. So, I mean, what is your baseline? Like, if you were going to tell somebody that asked you that question you know what's your response to that
3: got to push through all the hard moments and because the glory moments are pretty amazing but you know in racing you know you're only as good as your last race so you have your super exciting highs and your wins and these amazing learnings and then the next very next race there could be an incident or something and you're still going for a win and you know so You got to push through that. Like mentally, you have to put that behind you and then get straight back into the next race.
2: I like that. I think, uh, you know, one of the messages that I, you know, always respond with is you've chosen the most difficult profession on the planet. Mm -hmm. Are you sure that's what you want to do, right? (laughs) I I, I firmly believe that, you know. I I think it's the most difficult profession on the planet. You know, I'm fortunate. I know people connected with, you know, professional sports and uh, and i know the challenges that professional athletes have and uh i would i would argue that they're magnified in in motor sports. um so yeah think about it, right six thousand roughly six thousand minor league baseball players and how many open wheel drivers in north america are there 100 200 you know driving formula Fords and USF 2000, Indy Pro, Indy Lights, it's probably less than 250 drivers all in, in all those classes. 6,000 minor league baseball players and 150 or so.
3: From around the world. Yeah.
2: Like <laughs> have chosen the most difficult profession. Time. Stop, pause every once in a while,
1: and make sure you're ready for the next step. And you're starting to see the road to indy become a pathway for a lot of european drivers too so yeah. i expect this. i always thought that was an amazing example that you've given because i've heard that from you a couple of times and i just i think it's an amazing example of you know the difference between you know major league baseball major yeah. you know the nfl to yeah. open wheel sports in the u.s or even europe yeah yeah. yeah yeah very difficult so so USF 2000 follows the big show, IndyCar, all over the country, you know, and you're, you're there. I've been, I've been to a race where you can go from Spikes trailer to sport cars to IndyCar. What's been your pinch me moment? Like, I can't believe I'm here.
3: <laughs> every time we go to a racetrack, every time. It's pretty uh, yeah. amazing. We,
2: we, we try, to be, uh, try to be very grounded and every time you know, we walk into a a paddock. We just, you know, Amy and I look around and say-
3: I get chills, yeah.
2: We're back. (laughs) Doesn't matter where it is, you know, we're back. There are cars, there are people pursuing their dreams, there are, you know, young women, young men, you know, people that have, and everyone has a story, right? I think ours is pretty unique. Mm -hmm. Uh, I, I would argue it's probably one of the more unique ones, but everyone, is really uh, chasing the
1: dream I think it's the most relatable you know I've I feel like I've been in a position to hear a lot of stories and to me it always feels the most relatable because you're normal people you're not trust fund billionaires you're not you know money doesn't grow on trees in your family and I think that's an important aspect of your journey is it's been within reason and you know, even for our household, when our kids want to do something, it's like there's pie, yeah. you know, and there's only so much pie that you can take. So yeah. one one thing sacrifices another. And I think that your story encamp- encapsulates that because you have to grind it out and you have to make fiscal decisions that other people don't. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And
2: because of that, our life experiences have, are treasured, invaluable. The people that we've met the folks that have supported us, our experiences,
1: priceless. What didn't you expect along this journey? It was really hard. <laughs> <laughs> it was really hard. <laughs> and it's still hard. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, there have been lots of those moments, right? I think, um, I'll just be completely candid. You know, we were in an event not too long ago, motorsports events, and... and you know, I was telling the story to one of our supporters, and I said, you know, there are there are, there are a significant amount of people here, 75% of the people that that don't have to, you know, really work hard at, at raising funds. And uh, with all with all due respect, those you know, it's a different it's different, not better, not worse. It's different for those other 25% of the folks that really have to dig in. And Amy said. It's not 25%. It's five percent. And so um, but we're not afraid, right? We're not we're not afraid. We're very proud of what we've done. We're we're had some great friends, great experiences. Grateful, extremely grateful to have been on this journey. No regrets. Um, and happy happy to be, you know, at any racetrack with any driver. And that's when we, you know, any event, any series,
1: that's back to
2: my mom's word
3: the picnic.
1: <laughs> what, what, do you guys, what do you guys think is the most understood, misunderstood aspect of sponsorships? Because I, I feel like motorsports is growing at an unbelievable rate stateside here. I think globally, but, you know, the US, it's been more impacted it It seems like so many drivers struggle with finding sponsors you know what do you, you i mean you guys engage in more than I ever have
2: yeah uh, we have some trade secrets <laughs> we we think we think we want to be uh and respectful to some of the folks that uh, uh that have been very very generous to us uh, but for us we try to be very very transparent right um it's more than a sticker on the car uh it's we're, a
3: relationship with are
2: we we person. want you at the racetrack we want you to experience the highs and lows uh we, we we want you at the picnic we want you at the picnic and if you can't be there in person we want to we want to share that story with you uh, when we see you next time uh, we want to know that you are part of the family right like this is not about going out and Putting stickers on cars, all, all be it important, right? We want we want to have brand recognition for the folks that that believe in Spike and believe in his journey and and want him to succeed and want to be part of the picnic. But um, we love the opportunity to have people with us sharing the journey. Mm-hmm.
3: And Spike has some very very. Um... Amazing relationships with these people that he's cultivated. The friendship he and you know, people of you know all different kinds of businesses, all different um, age groups of friends that he has cultivated these friendships with, and he gets a lot of um, mentoring from them that is phenomenal. You know, a lot of these people are very successful business owners and he gets to benefit from like, just absorbing their, their energy and their passion. And, and once again, these are people that know nothing about motorsport, but they are passionate about someone who cares that much about succeeding.
1: Don't you think it's a two-way street though too? Yeah, because I, I, I feel yeah. anyone on the other side of that table from Spike always has a fascination or appreciation for high-performing people and somebody that is sacrificing and chasing a dream. I think there's so much com- complacency in, in the world or just lack of direction. When they see it, it's almost an encouragement to them as well. I think it's a two-way relationship. So so we are in the Marge showroom here. You know, I know Marge has been a huge part of your journey. You know and i know every time i'm around you it's it's a huge part of your history and today and just there's a lot of loyalty there's a lot of loyalty there so like what wh- how are they involved for most people that are not from st louis or not part of the local karting scene i had no idea who they were until we bought a go-kart and you know and i'm finding out that it's a it's a much much bigger thing than, than our local track here
3: Well, lifelong family friends of ours, um, the family that owns this business, and now Keith Freeber's the third generation owner. So I've grown up knowing the family and going to races, you know, races, Keith's races, and all the people that he raced with my whole life, like as a kid growing up, because our families were so close. So Margay and the brand has been in my life. You know, I know his, his grandfather who founded the business and then his dad who's very good friends with my dad and um, so yeah uh, it goes way way back and this is where it started for spike and margay's been really good to to him in the sense of you know he's been a a factory driver since he was little so 10 years
2: right yeah i i I like that uh i think you're you know the as i think about when he said factory driver the accountability that you have as a as a young driver, you know, you're representing something. You know, you're representing a brand. You're representing a family. You're representing bigger a than community, yourself. Yeah. Something bigger than yourself. And you know, when I think of marge and, and Keith Freiber, that's you know, Spike. Is the foundation of Spike Colbecker racing is is built on that sort of principle, right? Like they they gave him an opportunity to represent the family, the brand, the community,
1: and Marguerite. And that's just invaluable. Because it's a Nashville brand. It's not just a St. Louis thing. And there's been a lot of hugely successful names that have come from a Marguerite cart, if I'm not mistaken. Well, and I
3: think Marguerite carts have been shipped all over the world. I think New Zealand has a you know Marguerite carts. And I know it's some of the races like there's been guys, Kiwis that have come over to race and guys from Australia have come over to race. So I think the Margay brand is, is known in other parts of the world as well.
1: So at St. Pete, I wore Spike's shirt the whole weekend. And I can't tell you how many people came up to me and like pulled me aside and was like, <laughs> kiwi, kiwi, are you a Kiwi guy? Like, you know, and asking tons of questions several of them knew who spike was you That's, know which was yeah. That's which was interesting. interesting they recognized yeah you know all of the logos i had no idea any of them you know i was just there supporting you guys but
2: yeah we've had some uh you know speaking of great companies that have supported spike cfx as yeah. yeah, a company based here in st louis that is Branding, marketing, advertising, and, uh, they've put a creative touch on the Spike Kovac racing brand that is, <laughs> that, uh, has also been very viable.
1: Got to have a brand, got to have a brand. So we've joked about this in the past. Have you ever considered starting the team
3: <laughs>
1: to make that next step easier, more complicated?
2: <laughs> yes. Um, uh, no (laughs) (laughs) yeah i think uh great deal of respect for team owners set aside if it's go-karts or indie car or everything in between great deal of respect it is a uh it's a challenging business model i'm I'm sure from what i see um stay
1: tuned never know that's how horner got started (laughs) he was a driver driver without a team so he started the team and realized he was a better team manager than driver. there you go i know i'm a bad driver so (laughs) that part i know (laughs) so how 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 do people find you how do sponsors find you guys and, and and support this journey and story
2: spike kolbecker racing you know he's got an awesome uh you know presence in the marketplace thanks in part to CFX the company that I mentioned before it's been a long time sponsor of Spike uh yeah great people uh I think his brain is well recognized I think he's very happy and proud to you know the where, where the hashtag stl made st louis made on everything that he does and so uh, just invite you to to reach out to Spike on any of those channels uh Amy and I are available too if you care to talk talk to the parents <laughs> we we'd love to uh you know, to, to find ways to give back. There's been a lot of people that said been very good to us. So happy to chat with anyone that cares to, to hear more about the, about us and our journey. Anybody that wants
1: to have a three hour cup of coffee with you, I tell you it's worth every, every minute. We can make it short. Just remember Amy's (laughs) the motorsports guru, not not me. So make sure she shows up. What, what can the world of motorsports do to help, help you guys? I mean, if anybody listening, you know, if there was if there was something somebody could do or whatever,
2: it's really simple.
1: I think we would welcome the opportunity to sit down
2: and have that cup of coffee. We'll be respectful. Won't be the three hours unless you want it to be three hours. But <laughs> um, and you may get the whole family, right? We we would love to to sit down and have the chat. I think uh, many people have given us that opportunity. Uh, hopefully, more do. Hopefully, more people here in the St. Louis give us that opportunity to sit down and have that cup of coffee and just hear our journey hear what our goals and objectives are and more importantly hear from spike and we'll uh
3: meet the driver meet meet
2: (laughs) the driver many people have given us that opportunity and we're grateful for that
1: well thank you guys thank you for doing this thank you for all this this is different than my my uh my studio at the house so Thank you. This has been a Thank you. phenomenal experience and great to hear your story and can't wait to share it. Thank Thanks, you. Ryan. Thank you. Thank you.